Happy New Year and welcome to Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SE coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines entering another year of covering Nashville Soccer Club. I'm Wes Foley. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, freshly clad in his Rose Bowl shirt, celebrating the Michigan Wolverines' overtime win over Alabama. This is, of course, your favorite soccer college football podcast, everybody. (laughs) Tim, has your heart rate come down yet from that thriller? Yeah, according to Siri, it has slowed down to to reasonable levels. I will not be dying of a of a myocardial infarction because of my heart rate this week. That's for sure. <laughs> and if the snap is good to Jalen Milrow, I think we might be talking about a different result. We might not be talking today at all. <laughs> I might be dead. <laughs> but what an effort by JJ McCarthy and team. And I guess at some point we'll talk a little uh, little soccer today. But uh, I know it was a big night for you. I'll be in Houston actually for the national championship for work reasons because my job is stupid i love it but uh i'm excited that your your wolverines are going to be there i I can only imagine you're making plans to sit down on the melrose and watch this this or or again you said you're usually kind of a a quiet hate watcher at home right you're an anxiety watcher by yourself yeah um so my wife got home from work at halftime or like shortly after halftime last night and my girls were like extremely uh nervous about what the hell i was doing watching the game so that's that's uh, a, a new dad mode unlocked for sure so the girls were, were tuned in to what you were up to. And then hopefully for the second half, you're able to go watch it quietly and, and say what you needed to say out loud, very loudly. Yeah, it was an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable time. If, if it had turned out differently, it would have been less enjoyable, but probably still pretty exciting. That is how it works uh, for sure. Uh, let's talk a little soccer, I guess. Now it is the new year for Nashville Soccer Club and somehow just a month and a half away from the first competitive match for Nashville SC players getting set to report already feels like the season just ended because it did and today we want to talk about a new acquisition for Nashville SC Tyler Boyd coming over via trade from LA Galaxy and also get into your mailbag questions but first Tim of course ML Rose the best place to ring in the new year with new menu items all the time but the same classic commitment to great service yeah and uh you know we talk we joke regularly about how how this is a a college football podcast that happens to be about soccer but it's also uh i have learned a great place to watch a ton of bowl games um all all the locations were were packed over the past you know week and a half uh we obviously uh went without a show over christmas i think didn't we yeah we 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 took over christmas so it's been a while but uh i'm glad to hear and and see all, all the all the people enjoying college football at ML Rose and, and just excited until, uh, you know, waiting until we can get back there and, and start talking about Major League Soccer happening there as well. And keep in mind, if you're a Premier League fan, as both of us are, and no, I will not be talking about the West Ham Arsenal <laughs> match today. It's been a good week for and Timothy Warner and Sullivan. For you, it very much has. For me, well, we're just going to leave, leave Premier League Soccer in the dust, except to say... There's a new brunch menu at ML Rose, and we had a lot of brunch favorites that continue on that menu. Uh, Looking at you, incredible waffle, Um, but there's more coming, and it's a great place to go watch non-Nashville SC soccer as well. We talk about college football because we both love it. Only one game left, one chance left to watch there, and you should next Monday night. But also brunch, Tim, and a chance to watch some soccer. And this is a place that commits itself to to being a true sports bar who's great at both of those things, the sports and the bar. Whereas I feel like a lot of those places specialize in one or the other. You know, like some some of these places have a lot of TVs. The food and the service are terrible. Emil Rose has incredible food, incredible service. If you want to take a date night, great. If you want to watch a game with your buddies, great. If you want to watch a game with your date, you are a lucky person. 
<laughs> and I will uh, I will point out as I as I have before and as probably most of my ML Rose consumption has been over the past few years. If you want to go have a couple beers at lunch with your with your burger and do some work, uh, you can post up at the bar. They will not yell at you. They will be very happy to serve you as no. you as you sit there and and pound away on your keyboard, making sure that you've uh, that you uh, are still productive while you're having a couple. Of beers well, I took a call there. there. Yeah, I took a, a pretty important work call there, and I told the server beforehand, "Look, I'm going to get my orders in now. I'll give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the call." And she was like, "No, I'm not going to bother you. Just, I'll bring the stuff. You're good." And uh, yeah, it was great. I held off on the beer for that, but you don't have to, depending on your job. We're well, not going to tell anybody and either Will and Laura's. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into the early shout. And there's really one big topic, uh, Tim, today, and that is the signing of Tyler Boyd. This was announced, I don't know, days of the week anymore, but December 30th. So three days ago at time of recording, Tyler Boyd comes in, signed through 2026, option for 27 from the LA Galaxy. When I first saw this, I thought it was a pretty cheap price until I looked at the at the kicker at the end. So two international roster spots, which Nashville wasn't going to use anyway. One this year, one next. No problem. That's easy money for Nashville. One, yes. one important thing to keep in mind is if you want to get a winger of Tyler Boyd's quality, often you will have to use an international slot because that player will be an international player. In signing Tyler Boyd, you essentially are using that international slot the same way you would be if you signed, uh, you know, an heir apparent to Randall Leal, for example. Yep. So those those international slots effectively are what you are using on Tyler Boyd anyway. So it's a pretty good uh, little uh, tidbit that kind of makes it make a little more sense from that perspective. Great tidbit. Thank you for that context. And that makes perfect sense. In addition to that, just $150,000 in GAM. And that's split again between 24 and 25, split halfway. So 75 this year, 75 next. And then the kicker... If Boyd meets certain performance metrics, Galaxy can get up to $625,000 in conditional GAM, which makes this, of course, considerably more expensive, although still, I think, a decent deal. Tim, I'm trying to think of a time when I saw the conditional money this backloaded, this heavy compared to the mm -hmm. actual price of the deal. Does this seem like a, a pretty rare way to structure something? I know conditions are often used, but yeah. for the conditions to outweigh the, the initial GAM outlay seems like a kind of a reverse way of doing things. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at, at every every trade uh, that includes conditional GAM over the course of, of its uh, tenure, but um, it's definitely something that when you see this volume of, of allocation money on the conditional side rather than the guaranteed side, it does kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit for the reasons that you said. It's just not something that you see very often. From, I think, the perspective of, of both clubs, it, it makes a lot of sense. From LA Galaxy's perspective, if you gave up somebody who was worth more than um, a couple of international slots over a couple of years and $150,000 in GAM over a couple of years, you're going to get paid more. From Nashville's perspective, if Tyler Boyd is bad, uh, you don't pay any more. But if, if you end up having to pay LA Galaxy money, it's because things have gone really well for you. It, it, it has been made worth your while to do that. So I think from both perspectives, it makes a lot of sense. From Nashville's perspective, especially a club that wants to, um, you know, kind of ex execute Moneyball levers as, as often as they can. If you can essentially not have to pay as much of a trade value, except in the instance that a guaranteed number is hit, if he scores, um, we can just, you know, if he scores 10 goals and, and Nashville has to spend all of that extra gam over to LA Galaxy, the 10 goals were probably worth it. That's that's kind of the the deal that you made. And if you if he doesn't uh you know moneyball his way to being kind of a, a really cheap acquisition, you don't end up having to pay very much. So it makes a lot of sense. So we've talked about the risk part, and I agree with you. It, it's it's low, low price. And again, the only way your your outlay goes up considerably is if he does things that justify that. Uh, and that's that's great. 
Let's talk about the reward side of, of the page for just a minute. Seven goals, four assists for LA Galaxy last year. That was his first MLS season. Crucially, he played in all 34 matches for the Galaxy. 28 starts for an LA team that looked underachieved. It was not very good <laughs> yet again. But I think you look at potential durability for a 29-year-old and you say, okay, 34 games. That's a starting point. That's encouraging. A guy who's used to getting starting minutes. Is he, do you think, a starter for this team more often than not? And if so, is he jumping in for Randall Leal? Is he jumping in for Jacob Schaffelberg? Which side does he figure to play on most frequently? And I, mean, I don't know. I see a, a bit of a log jam here at a position, which is a good thing. It's a good problem to have for Nashville <laughs> see as they develop depth. But I want to know where he fits into the equation for you. Yeah, I think when you look at it, um, you don't say he he starts instead of Jacob Schaffelberg or he starts instead of Randall Leal, I think you look at it and say, now we have three starting caliber wingers, whoever the two that make the most sense are for a given matchup, for a given uh, opponent, for whatever reason. Um, you know, given the health of Randall Leal, he has not been a particularly healthy guy over the last couple of years. He is also, um, it seems to be back in the Costa Rica national team picture. Um, with all due respect to Tyler Boyd, I don't think he's going to be in the U.S. Uh, uh, picture anytime soon. Schaffelberg is going to be in the Canadian picture, though. So you, it does give you a guy that... Um, you know, he might end up playing, you know, the majority of starters minutes just because he's going to be more available and he can play on either side. He is, uh, you know, kind of your classic inverted, you know, right footed left winger. So that gives you a right footed guy. If you want to pair that with Schaffelberg, it gives you um, if you want to pair him with Leal, you have two right footed guys who, who both of whom can play on either side. They can play inverted or wide. So it makes a lot of sense. It would not surprise me if you saw him get the most minutes out of those three guys, just because of his durability and because of, uh, you know, kind of the other factors that go into um, international clubs for the other two guys, neither of them has been hundred percent healthy, hundred percent of the time. So it is something that Boyd, you, you look at him and say, he has something that they haven't shown in the past couple of years. That's not to say they're guaranteed to be injured going forward, of course, but it is something that, that you, you are paying for a little bit of reliability. And that's something that Nashville can use too. Dare I say, you look at maybe a 4-2-3-1 with a three-man midfield of Leal maybe playing a more central role and then the wings being Schaffelberg and Boyd too, if you really want to go for it. And then Mukhtar mm -hmm. up top alongside Surridge. Uh, I think there's a lot you can do with that. But I want to circle back to some things that you wrote on clubcountryusa.com. Everybody check it out. Uh, good review of the signing. I'm not just going to read word for word what you've got here, but I want to focus on the last paragraph when you say it's a solid move, though a more uninspiring one than, say, Drew Yearwood a few weeks back. Nashville's been lacking in attacking depth, and Boyd should upgrade the parts of that unit that aren't in the starting lineup. You say it's more uninspiring than Drew Yearwood. Explain why you think that. I think mostly just because I'm higher on Drew Yearwood than a lot of people are. You look at Yearwood, he's a guy who came to this league as a young DP, and Boyd is a guy who um, grew up in New Zealand. He was a, a New Zealand-U.S. dual national, picked the United States, ended up with, I believe, only 10 caps over the course of his USMNT career. And it's, it's again, it's unlikely that um, for anything other than like Camp Cupcake, he would get called back in again. But um, you look at him and you say, okay, that's a guy who's a very solid MLS player. That is the sort of guy that is honestly, the lifeblood of a team like Nashville SC, it's not necessarily a huge upgrade in terms of what you get um, as we talk about it and talk about how reliable he is and how much Nashville will need him given the international uh, statuses of, of Leal and, and Schaffelberg. Maybe I'm talking myself into it a little bit more even, but it is somebody that um, is, is not, it's not going out and signing Sam Surridge, but it is adding depth and possibly, you know, a guy who can get starters minutes as well as, as somebody that, that makes your team better. We talked all 2023, not that it is 2024, I have to specify, it was not all this year, it was all last year, about how Nashville didn't have the right amount of depth and didn't have the right quality of depth. 
this is a piece that that addresses both of those extremely precisely. Yeah, I, I love the idea of bringing in good, serviceable, durable players to improve your depth. But then I look at at this essentially at this point needing to be a direct replacement for Fafa Pico. Essentially, that's mm-hmm. the roster spot he's filling at a lower salary. And I wonder, and we're going to ruin a couple of mailbag questions here later on, I guess, is something else coming? Do you think there's another wing coming in or do you think this pretty much completes the picture on the flanks for Nashville? I think if there's another wing coming in, it is not going to be a depth type uh, assigning. It'll be somebody that that you expect to to probably be a starter. Um, it would be somebody that you would see as an upgrade over one or all three of the guys that we've just been discussing, because otherwise you you don't necessarily <laughs> need it unless unless you're really concerned about both Leal and Schaffelberg being called up at the same time, and then um kind of having to figure out how to shoehorn Boyd in with somebody else as a winger or changing your formation to to deal with only having one uh, winger of that offensive style available. Um, I, you, certainly you can play Alex Muil there. He's played a lot of wing in his Nashville SC career, but it does change what you can do with the wings in the attack. But um, if, if Nashville wants to bring in another guy, it would probably have to be somebody who's who's upgrading the starting lineup as a as a surefire thing. Otherwise, it's, it's, it seems kind of redundant to the pieces that are already in place. Yeah, I know that it takes a lot of gam to shore up your core, as as Mike Jacobs regularly reminds us. But I see the way Nashville has spent, or rather not spent so far, that gam. And they have reserve. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say a lot of reserves to still make a big splash yeah. if they want to do that. I, I don't think they're done right now. I, I'm not yeah. I'm not looking at one player and saying he's coming. I don't have inside knowledge of that. But Tim, I feel like there's some work left to do for this team. Yeah, and it's one thing to keep in mind when people are always asking us, "Where's who's the game being traded for? Who's the game being traded for?" Um, we all we kind of always say, "Remember, like, there's something to be said for needing to use some of that and, and needing to use your targeted allocation money to pay down the the salaries of guys that that are already on your team that are that are getting higher than." Uh, you know, the the roster buckets would allow them to get. But look at Fafa Pico, look at Dax McCarty. Nashville has shed guys that took a lot of allocation money to to just be paid in their salaries. Nashville isn't adding a ton of guys that that are above those cusps that you need to spend down their current uh, budget hits. Um, really fumbling over how to talk through MLS roster mechanisms today. It's out of character <laughs> for me. But um, yeah, Nashville doesn't have as many guys that that whose budget hit needs to be bought down on the roster as they did at this time. Um, you know, two and a half months ago, much less over the course of the fall. So it does look like they are able to not spend that um, as a drip over the course of of some of these salaries that are already um, that they're, they're already on the hook for. But rather, there might be a big splash coming. Yeah. And, and of course, I forgot to mention uh, the other right wing that was added, Mackenzie Gaines coming in, who looks more and more like potentially a depth option now yeah. with uh, with Boyd coming in. I think this is a group that that has the depth necessary to rotate and get good bodies on the field yeah. with CCL and league play both balance. I'll admit that I forgot about Gaines, but um, for <laughs> both he both he and Boyd have numbers that don't look very good. I think you can chalk that up to team effects for both of them. They yes. have both played for teams that suck. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're guaranteed to be very good for Nashville SC. It's just that we shouldn't look at what their, you know, what their goals added numbers. If you go to American soccer analysis app uh, and it, and it says, Oh, these guys aren't very good per, per G plus. Um, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Look at every single player for LA galaxy. Look at every single player for Charlotte. They all kind of suck. So it is something to, to uh, important context to keep in mind. 
Let's, uh, let's weave in a couple mailbag questions that uh, talk about what's next. Jay Oz with four roster spots open at this time. Do you think Mike Jacobs will look for a true attacking mid with the rest being development players? Uh, similar question from Justin. Now that some positions of need have been addressed, is it easier to guess who Nashville targets next? Are we done this window? And I read his question fully because he also congratulates you for your alma mater making it to its first playoff final we already asked the question is nashville done we think there's still work to do jay points out there are four roster spots open at this time do you think there are a couple splashy players here or is it mostly look bring in a number eight and then you know we nashville still needs a new striker to replace ethan zubak you know that's probably coming somewhere like and is it like that is it third and fourth string type players coming in do you think yeah, I think that's that's the majority of what you're going to get. I, I'm kind of, uh, especially to Jay's question, on the fence about whether an attacking mid comes in. I think you have, um, in the in the form of a guy like Drew Yearwood, for example, who again, I'm higher on than, than a lot of Nashville SC fans are. You have somebody who's essentially the role that you're expecting him to play. It's not necessarily the quality you're going to get is a younger Dax McCarty. He's, he's able to link the attack with the midfield a little bit more effectively than we've seen from Nashville. When you look at even Sean Davis, who we're still very high on, but that's just not what he has been good at in his couple of years here in Nashville. Um, obviously, uh, when you look at Brian and Nunga, that's not what he is going to do. He is going to be a midfield destroyer. I think you get a little bit, you squeeze a little bit more offense out of the midfield already. I don't know if you need a, kind of an attacking midfielder or, you know, even, you know, even a true number 10 sort of guy to be um, Hani Mukhtar's backup. It, it'll be really interesting to see what they do in terms of trying to build attack through the midfield. I just don't know if that's going to be a priority just with the way that this club has has lined up. I think there's something to be said for just believing if we have a healthy Hani Mukhtar and, and this upgraded talent on the wings, we can we can get enough attack out of that with Sam Surridge up top. I think Nashville has what it means to play a diamond, but I think a big priority is to diversify the shapes that it can play and give Gary Smith more tactical tools to adjust to the opponent, to depth needs, uh, et cetera. So I think there does need to be uh, a, a number eight coming in. I don't think, you know, Godoy, Yearwood, and Davis are necessarily the only guys who, who are going to be able to sustain this, especially when you look at the depth challenges ahead. Um, and sorry, Nunga, I left you out of that picture, but I think he continues to be a you know, reliable depth guys. I, I do see. Uh, you, you said eights, and uh, I think Anunga would be very yeah. satisfied being <laughs> shoehorned well, into just the six position. I interchanged eights and, and midfield yeah. there a little bit. Yes, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I think, you know, as in a diamond, you've got your shuttlers now. You get tons of <laughs> options now yeah. to play kind of a tighter wing role than what Schaffelberg typically will do, for instance. But if you're playing a 4 2 3 1 and you need two legit, you know, six slash eight types, I think you got work to do there, at least around Godoy and Davis. I think you you do still need a little work unless you're going to rely on your wood to really, really jump into that young DP caliber type of player that he can be, but hasn't been yet in this league. So I think and hope Nashville still will do work there. Other places I look would be right back depth. Shaq mm-hmm. Moore's your guy there. But I think there, there's probably something coming in there. Center back wouldn't be surprised if they didn't touch that because they're I think, pretty happy there. I mentioned uh, a number two striker. And then you can, or sorry, number three striker. And then you can go look for a young player who you like, who just yeah. maybe you don't have a position where you need to put them. There's just an opportunity. I think Mike Jacobs is as good as anybody in this league at identifying talent within the league that's been undervalued elsewhere. Maybe he goes back to Toronto and find somebody else there or Red Bulls and find somebody <laughs> else there. His two favorite destinations. But I think you can go with some development players there. Yeah, and I, I would say it's important to keep in mind that Signings that are made are not necessarily, um, you know, um, uh, Jay was the one that mentioned four roster spots open. 
Nashville can sign a guy and and can loan them for the entire year to to Huntsville if that's what they want to do if they consider him a developmental guy. Um, there's a little bit more roster flexibility. I we keep talking about incoming trades because that's what there's been. There can be outcoming outgoing trades that will also change the roster calculus, change the numbers a little bit. So it, it can feel pretty close to complete right now, but I don't think until until the roster. Uh, uh, the final rosters are due to CONCACAF Champions League. No, I will not call it CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, there's there's going to be a ton of flexibility in what Nashville is able to do. And of course, even even for that competition, they aren't locked into what their MLS roster is going to be. Obviously, the, the closeness to the beginning of that and the beginning of Major League Soccer season means that there won't be a ton of difference there. But it is something that um, there, there's there's time still to, to kind of mess around with a little bit of this and, and see what, what tinkering you can do. And that's something that we know Mike Jacobs obviously has loved to do historically. Yeah, I think you will see Nashville go to a you know, place like Canada. Logan mentions rumors around Wubens, uh, Passius, a Canadian player uh, in the CPL. You're going to see signings like that. Players who mm-hmm. you can loan to Huntsville, like you said, who are going to serve the main club. The, the goal is to serve the main club, not just populate a Huntsville roster. We only saw five holdovers, I think, on that Huntsville team, plus a couple guys on NSC contracts who are going to be in Huntsville. So a good chance there, Tim, to... Like that thing's up and running. It's operational now, yeah. which was kind of the goal in year one. Now, how can you better align the tactics and the talent with what will eventually be projectable to NSC? And so I wouldn't fall in love or ridicule any signings that that come that seem like they're underwhelming because they're probably Huntsville guys who, yeah. who could eventually contribute. With that in mind, Logan asks about the Wubens Passius links, whether Nashville's still trying to trying to sign them. That's been reported elsewhere. Um out market. I think Tom Bogart had had that it's been echoed elsewhere, been right yeah. reporting. Trans- on that. I, be- I believe Transfer Markets Manuel Vaith is the one who originated That's that it. Reporting. Thank you. So, thank yeah. you for getting we want to get that right. So thank you. Have you heard anything more on that? And and again, what kind of signing does that represent for Nashville? Is that a number three striker or is that a Huntsville guy who maybe we could bring up when we need to? Yeah, it's it's one of those that um, has actually been pretty typical of how how Nashville's um, um, orchestrated leaks, <laughs> I guess, manage some of this a little bit. You hear about it early. We do a lot of looking into it. You don't hear a lot, but it but unless we hear, which we have not, that something has gone sideways, it's mostly just a matter of when it's going to happen, not if it does. Um, Passius is one that um, is interesting to me because he's he's kind of honestly a good, not great Canadian Premier League player. I would put that league. I know it's technically the top league in Canada because um, their best teams play in MLS. So, so it, it has first division sanctioning from, from CONCACAF and from uh, the Canadian Federation. But um, I would put can PL on on par with probably even more USL League One than, yeah. than the USL Championship. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that this is a guy that's got uh, let's see twenty six goals and six assists and seventy three appearances in in the Can PL regular season, it's impressive. But you have to kind of contextualize with what it's going to be. I think he would be probably a deep depth signing, maybe a guy that would even play for Huntsville before he would play for Nashville. Um, you know, if and when this this transfer is finalized and announced, I do think that um, when you look at somebody with his goal scoring record you don't know until you put him into a a tougher context if he can just continue doing it we've seen guys um it's not necessarily the most common we've seen guys go from college to mls and be productive um ben bender from from charlotte and we've seen miami do it with a couple times probably says more about the first couple years of miami's team than it does uh, about the ability of guys to immediately translate to the mls level but it is something that um he will get a chance certainly in preseason camp and if if that goes really well there's a chance to stick on the roster and and you can 
get some revelations from those sorts of situations. We'll see if that happens um, again, if and when he signs. In just a minute, I have a uh, a theory and a bold prediction based on our final mailbag question. But first, uh, ML Rose. Yes, that in the business is called a tease. Um, ML Rose, again, we want to talk just for a second about the new locations that are coming. Franklin on the way. Uh, East Nashville coming as well. Uh, Tim, when you see a business that is growing like ML Rose is, and by the way, as you hear us mentioning, has signed on for another year of partnership with us, which we're very excited about. Um, I think you see a place that has identity. It's growing mm-hmm. from a foundation. It's not just adding restaurants because it wants to. This is a hard business to succeed in. And ML Rose is thriving because it knows who it is. And it's great to see that more people are going to have an ML Rose right down the street. Yeah, it's something that, uh, you know, from the the days of yore with just one uh, 8th Avenue location, um, which is obviously the, the primary one that we talk about a lot. Obviously, we are both West Nashville guys, too. So we talk about uh, the Charlotte Pike location a lot, too. But um, everybody, uh, you know, who has gone to either of those locations says, oh, I wish there was one in my neighborhood. Um, and it increasingly seems like almost all of those people are going to have the opportunity to see one in their neighborhood. So that is something that's really exciting for them. Um, And you don't expand as a restaurant group unless you are doing something very, very right. Um, We spend a lot lot of each episode talking about what they are doing very, very right. And um, it's, it's exciting to see those guys get uh, you know, the the rewards for, for going about the restaurant business the right way. A lot of people, um, especially in this town, don't always go about uh, the restaurant business or the bar business the right way. And so yeah. we're very happy to see good people get rewarded. And one thing I like that they do is local partnerships. For instance, their beef, if, you, if you're into, you know, eating meat and not the impossible, which you can do the impossible uh, burgers as well, but their beef comes from Porter Road, uh, a great local, uh, local butcher, local meat company. The drinks, I mean, the beer list speaks for itself. I, I'm partial to a home style, I got to say. Uh, pick up a little beer at Iris Home Style next to my, my ML Rose Burger. If that's your house beer like it is mine, great. Um, but if not, there are plenty of other local options there. That's what's so gratifying to me, Tim, is to see that they don't just want to make a lot of money off folks in Nashville. They want to be part of this culinary community, and they do such a good job of doing that. Yeah, and... Um- in in this town, a lot of people are kind of um, relying on on tourists, like like transient dollars that come into town for a weekend and then leave. And ML Rose will we'll gladly accept that money, that money as well. But they are definitely <laughs> um, invested in being embedded and part of the community, and and that's something that we obviously appreciate as well. All right, so mailbag time, last mailbag question time. That is, I want to pose a theory to you in answer to the question I'm about to read. I don't know that it's a prediction so much as it is a possibility, and I want to just see what you think. Nashville SC Stats asks the question: Who, if anyone, is the most likely to leave this winter? I want to I want to pose a name for you here, Joe Willis. Not a prediction. Yeah, it's a possibility. A veteran keeper for Nashville who, if he played for Nashville all of 2024, I think the club would be pleased. They like him. Elliot Panico has proven he can start in this league. He, heck, I mean, he took over in in League's Cup. He Mm -hmm. entered in PKs a couple times, three times even, in League's Cup for Joe Willis. They're confident in what they have in Elliot Panico. I believe they also really are high on Ben Martino, the Huntsville keeper who could ascend maybe this year to a number two. The crux of the question for me here is, do you go with the known quantity in Willis and let Martino get starting minutes for at least the first half of the year in Huntsville to continue to get a feel for the game? Or does he benefit more 
from not just training with Nashville SC like he already does every week, uh, but being with the first team and being the number two if you can get a return on Joe Willis. Do you think that's they're kind of barking up a potentially right tree here? I, I think the last thing you said there before before barking up a tree uh, is the is the crux of the whole matter here is is I think Joe Willis has a ton of value to Nashville. That's not a mystery to anybody. Does he have a ton of value outside of Nashville? Can you get anything for a trade in in Joe Willis's uh, contract rights? I don't know that there's a ton. For whatever reason, he has gone so unappreciated on the National Major League Soccer uh, you know, scene. Um, he did not have a strong end of the year, but before that we were complaining, or at least I was, pretty regularly that he, he could not pay somebody to make the MLS Team of the Week, even though he was having great performances. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, I just think that what he has managed to accomplish in Nashville is something that other clubs aren't going to see as... They might not see it at all, but <laughs> maybe replicable with their clubs. I don't think that he's somebody that you get a lot of value for unloading. And again, we talk about how Mike Jacobs is so concerned with Moneyball. Um, if you can get good value for for an asset, even if you like that asset, you got to get rid of it. That's kind of the the Billy mm-hmm. Bean thing there, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I think Nashville would gladly, if it came down to that, play Elliot Panico, have Ben Martino as your number two keeper. The question is, what do you get? In, in exchange for losing Joe Willis, I don't think they're going to be presented with something that, that makes it worthwhile. If they are, it yes, <laughs> I, I, I think they'd be willing to do that. But I just don't think you're not going to get, you know, 650 in allocation oh. money for, for Joe Willis at this stage. And that's, that probably isn't far off from what it might take to get rid of him at this stage. Well, I think the question is, is there a team in Major League Soccer who's desperate for a starting keeper and doesn't have one right now on the ledger and therefore might be willing to pay more than market value to get somebody who's a veteran who has two, probably at least two good years in Major League Soccer in him. So it's like by definition, because of the position and because there are only 20, whatever many teams are in the league, 27 jobs available. I think if you do get an offer, it's going to be at a high value. And I, I wonder if that comes. I wonder if there is somebody, and I, I should have pinpointed rosters that were lacking that. Um, mm. But I, I am curious. Um, should be interesting. I mean, LA Galaxy paid a handsome sum to get John McCarthy over from from LAFC right across town, uh, for instance. Probably a higher value keeper at this point than uh, than Willis. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean that's that's the thing is is Willis is very appreciated and I think appreciative of what he has in Nashville. It's just it's just. Does does somebody want to pay for a guy at his age? I believe he's the. I believe he's actually older than us. He might be the only player on the, on the team that's older than no. us. No, no, he's, he's he. Yeah, he's he. I thought he was older than Dax. He's, I don't remember. He's close. Matter. He. Okay. I'll give you his age while you talk. At at his age, the trade value that that you're getting for him is is lower than the continuity value that you get in keeping him, unless unless you can fleece somebody, basically. But I think <laughs> I think Nashville would certainly be willing to to fleece somebody. I just don't know if that opportunity is going to present itself. The man's 35. Don't defame him. Ah, he's our just for a spring chicken. He is, of course. And keepers can go a long time. Uh, yeah. He's he's shown a lot of durability for sure. Uh, the other name I want to raise here, because of all these wing signings we've seen, is Alex Mwil. That's what I, I was going to say. That was going to be my choice, yeah. I, do you think he's maybe on his way out here? I mean, he's he's either going to be buried on the depth chart uh, because of all the the moves that have, have been brought in and therefore probably unhappy enough that he might want yeah. to get out of Nashville. I, I just I wonder if these moves are made with him in mind. Yeah, I think when you look at the types of wingers that Nashville's brought in, they don't have a defense-first winger, which I think Alex Mill would feel insulted by that. I, I say it with love. That is the sort of player he is. Sure. That raises the question, 
is he now a, a, a square peg in a round hole or is he the one guy who can fill a specific role that you need to fill when you don't want to have an offensive winger come on for, uh, you know, the final couple of minutes of a one zero match or whatever. And you want to bring on a guy who can come help lock it down defensively. He would be the only one left that can do that. I, I, I kind of lean the other way and say, okay, if you're, if you're focusing more on attack with your wingers, that is just who you want to be. You want to be a team whose wingers are attacking players. That seems to make a little more sense to me. Will, I, I believe you can get pretty good value out of because um, he's not the youngest guy on the planet, but he is still somebody, I think, I believe he's 29, maybe 28. He is somebody that um, does play a role that other teams can use. If you look at teams that, that have sucked defensively and, and have, have been uh, pretty poor in terms of how they implement their wingers to aid in that defensive effort. Um, he's a guy who could come in and, and make it a difference for some teams in a way that he did for Nashville for a while and might not be quite as necessary in doing that. Yeah, I don't think I move Alex Wheel unless he indicates that he wants to move on to where he yeah. can find better opportunities. Because I think you look at a guy who can go to the Dominican Republic, for instance, and do a freaking job on the road. Uh, that's the guy you want in that situation, right? I mean, yeah. completely unfazed. But we targeted... If only, if only it was Haiti, because his parents are French, so he could he could speak French to the opponents. But alas, it's going to the DR instead right. for... He's got to make the Club League. World Cup, and maybe PSG <laughs> is up there. And, you know, it's easy enough. Arsenal has lots of French players. You know, it's, there's, there's possibilities there. <laughs> Does Payette still play for uh, for West Ham? Sorry, that was like a five-year-old reference. I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, probably a bunch of other French guys for them. Uh, those are our mailbag questions today. I think there's a lot coming. Uh, there are more roster moves ahead. We'll be here, of course, to cover them. I'll likely be recording from the site of your uh, Michigan National Championship game uh, next, uh, next week. Before we get out of here, uh, Tim... Anything else around the league that you want to note? Any other acquisitions? Any news? We can yeah. make this a content space as well. What else do you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, let's go. Let's go a little outside. And you talked about John McCarthy there, and and the the reason that LA got, or LAFC, excuse me, has a has a keeper uh, glut is because they. <laughs> They they signed Hugo Lloris, which is a weird one because this is a guy who's not good anymore and um, <laughs> seems really expensive. The flip side is that it, it turns out that he's not even on a TAM level uh, contract. I don't know how, how LAFC manages to do that. Um, you look at some of the guys that that especially the LA teams have been able to bring in, but also Miami at at lower than expected budget points. Um, I guess it pays to be in a warm weather climate. It pays to be in an internationally recognized city. You don't see the New York teams doing that. Um, you see NYCFC signing guys, but they don't do it on budget numbers. But um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting signing. In it kind of feels pretty MLS 2.0. Even if he ends up being good, it feels really MLS 2.0. Mm -hmm. to go out and get a big name, and and we'll see how good he ends up being. But that's definitely the most notable uh, development around the league over the past couple of weeks to me. Maybe he just wants to be in movies. He wants to be in Hollywood. Or that, that was that was the idea with Zlatan, and then he he finished his career with LA. I was like, screw it, I'm going back to Europe. Or maybe there's a path to be a goalkeeper's coach there, a year with a club option for a second, and then he becomes their goalkeeper. I don't know. I don't know his aspirations, but that is a strange one for me. Um, I have a concert recommendation before we get out of here. A tremendous piece over the holidays by Pablo, Pablo Maurer. He was embedded mm -hmm. with the refereeing crew, Armando Villarreal, etc., John Freeman, fourth official for MLS Cup. And it is a very humanizing piece, as I think we both give proper scrutiny, but also proper respect for the job that officials have. 
And, and if you don't give proper respect to the job, go out and start refing yourself. Seriously. Do, be the change you want to see in the world. And start by reading this piece because the, the thoughtfulness, the um, subjectivity, which is interesting and actually a plus, I think, with which mm -hmm. the officials approach the match, they're film studying. They're seeing, hey, Darlington Nagby got fouled seven times last match. We got to watch that persistent infringement right off the bat, for instance. The relationships that go into it, the conversations with, with players before, during, after, all of that. And then Armando Villarreal, there's a picture of him visibly emotional after the match. That was a crowning achievement for him. Lest we are tempted to think that these referees are heartless machines who often get things wrong at a rate higher than machines do. Uh, look, they're not perfect, but they're, they're they heartful machines who get things wrong. No, just, just kidding, guys. <laughs> there's just a little I, joke. I, just doing a bit on you. Yeah, there you go. I think we all respect the job they do. We might forget to respect it at times, and this instilled that respect in me. It was a pretty cool piece. Check it out, The Athletic. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks to ML Rose for the burgers. I'm going to go get one this week. I can't wait to return after getting back in town from Colorado. Uh, thanks to you for listening. Thanks to 440 Sports for the microphone. Moon Taxi for the music. We'll talk to you again very soon.